1: solo ship week six I'm um, squirrel patrol um joined by jm to win from one week season uh jm i'll i'll go first on on week five yeah uh, I, I don't think i've ever had a week where i was right on so much stuff and then still had a really bad week um uh, i think i said like i think my hot take last week was like hn would rush for like 11 or, or 120 yards on 12 carries and that would lower his uh like rushing yards <laughs> per attempt or whatever and he went like 150 on 12 <laughs> 12 carries raised his rushing you know rushing yards per carry um so i you know i was right on the hot topic of the week or whatever um but ultimately just too much anthony richardson and too much justin jefferson um and you know not enough jamar chase and like so on these like it ended up being like one of those binary weeks which is like well how much jamar chase yeah do you have? and then then everything else
2: yeah and, and at the same time like it takes one roster. I've had so many weeks where like, maybe I didn't have the best week of play, but I got that one roster that hit. And so I had 12% Jamar Chase. I was comfortable being underweight on him. And I've had weeks where, you know, my 12% guy, like if I get a lot of other things right, they line up on the right roster in some place. And I use that roster in a couple single entry tournaments. And it, you know, it still ends up being a really nice weekend. But yeah, the way you described week five was, is like a mirror of my week where it was kind of like, Oh, I really didn't get anything wrong. You know, I was underweight Jamar Chase, but I didn't really get anything wrong. Quarterback was kind of wrong for most people across the board. So my quarterbacks weren't great, but that was pretty common for most rosters. Um, didn't miss anybody who had a big game and, and yet um, had three out of my 150 rosters finish in the money in the slant. So, uh, yeah, it was it was actually the easiest week of the season for me to turn the page on. because It was like, oh, well, like I didn't play poorly. And things just didn't line up for me this week, and and turn the page to the next one.
1: Yeah, I kind of go into NFL season knowing, like Joe Mixon week last year, that there's going to be some weeks where I'm a little bit, or maybe even dramatically, under the field on somebody that just goes berserk, and it's not going to be my week. And and sometimes it, it can be like like because I do I'll do 150 line sets, and I'm, I'm very rarely like completely fading exactly to yeah see any amount of ownership. Um, you know, so it was like, yeah, I wasn't like dramatically under the field on Jamar Chase. I just didn't have him on the right rosters. And that ultimately sucked my week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. And, um, you know, we live to fight another day. We <laughs> It helps when, um, it helps when you have, like, we both had a good start to the season. So then that just reminds you, like, yeah. like it was easy for me to say, okay, did I do anything differently in week five? Did I mail it in in week five? Did I change my process? Was I looking at different things? Was I overthinking things, underthinking things? And I was like, no, I followed the same process. just was one of those weeks you have them and, and makes it easy to be like, cool, well, we'll just move on to the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, this week, I'm a little bit surprised, like just looking around at some of the content this week, that I think there's a big story of the week and it's not really, nobody's like presenting it as a big story. Um, I think the the overriding story this week that most people are talking about is like, well, you've got a bunch of games that have about the same point total. So that makes it an interesting week and a difficult week. I'm looking, I always look at implied point totals more than game totals. And I think the dolphins are standing out above everybody else. And I'm, I'm surprised that we're not talking about more like dolphins chalk and like, how do you get off the dolphins? Like, if anything, I think like the Rams game um, seems to be more popular. Uh, and I think the story of the week is like, you know, that the dolphins have an implied point total is like think 10% higher than any other team on the slate, which second is the Rams. I think it's like 25% higher then the third highest team, which I think is the Jaguars. And then you, you have a bunch of teams that are kind of floating around, even like going back and forth in 24 or 24 and a quarter or 24 and a half. Um, I, I'm going to be jamming my rosters full of Dolphins players this week and trying to figure out everything else. After that, I don't normally have that strong of a take on a, on a week, especially on a Friday.
2: Interesting. So when you're jamming in Dolphins, that's really three guys, right?
0: Okay. Well,
1: so, you know, I think it, it's obviously like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell uh, are, you know, there are the receivers don't really have a ton of interest in anybody else. Although I think like Chase Claypool, I haven't even looked to see if he's eligible slate yet, <laughs> but I remember like reading some quote about Chase Claypool and thinking, well, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting, like really low owned like 150, one and 150 kind of play. Um, and then it's Raheem Mostert. Uh, and then I, I'm interested in Jeff Wilson, if it looks like Wilson's going to get activated. Um, If Wilson's not activated, I would have some uh, interest in Ahmed Uh, or Seven Ahmed. Yeah, yeah, Seven Ahmed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Tua's not really getting fucked up that much. I mean, I think Matthew Stafford's going to see a ton of ownership. Um, And then I think you'll see, especially some of the cheaper quarterbacks on DraftKings, you know, the $5,000 guys, they'll get some ownership. I think Joe Burrow will see a lot of ownership. I don't see why people would play somebody other than Tua. I mean, uh, well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll have plenty of Matthew Stafford on my, my 150 set. Like, I would I would think that the week would start and end with the Dolphins and Tua, and people just aren't going there. And I, I know it could all be running game, too. But it could also be Tua passes a yard ER to Moster, who then runs for 80 yards.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting angle. I haven't been... I I haven't been super hung up on the dolphins myself. I think that, you know, there's been talk in our group text thread uh, on OWS, me and Hilo and Mike and Zandamir of a couple of them have been like, Oh, you got to play one dolphin on every roster this week. And I haven't really been gravitating toward that myself because it's, it's, it's hard Me to see, not hard for me to see. I it's easy for me to see the ways that that the expensive pass catchers don't exceed like go well over 30 points against a really good Panthers pass defense. Now, the argument that I've made on the other side of that in my head, kind of working through the spot, is the there's a difference between, as I've pointed out throughout the season, there's a difference between being the Patriots' pass defense and seeing this Dolphins team for the third time, or the Bills' pass defense, seeing this Dolphins team for the fourth time since the start of last season, and being the Panthers' pass defense. And yes, you're a really good pass defense, but you're seeing this speed in real time for the first time. it can be harder to adjust to that. so yeah, I can see I could see it's just for me, I guess the it's funny because I came into this thinking there's this spot that I'm on that um uh, I thought that you were gonna be very much in sync with me on, which you you might be when I get to it, but um it's it's easy for me to see hill having like a solid game, but but it's hard for me to see the panthers keeping pace. so it's hard for me to see. Them throwing enough for Hill to get to like thirty five or forty points, and um, and then with Mostert, like I like Mostert a lot, but we know that the volume is less predictable than it seems, which is why you said Jeff Wilson and Southern Ahmed. The you know that last year there were games when Jeff Wilson saw more snaps and more touches than Raheem Mostert, and so yeah, I kind of like it if Wilson's healthy because it would feel like well, they're they're like the ownership on Mostert might go down a little bit, but then. These guys are coming back from injury, so most still probably see 65% or something like that. But no, I mean, I mostred's on my list, Tyreek's on my list. Um, I don't gravitate toward Waddle as as much as maybe you do or some other people do, but uh wouldn't like argue against him. But they're also not like my starting point on my rosters this week, I guess is the way I'm looking at it. So yeah, I like that. I like it because typically we come together and we're very much aligned on how we're attacking things, and then you'll have like that little 5%, 8% that I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought of that and I'll pull it in. So um, this is like a big block that I'll have to kind of pull into my thoughts and see how that fits with how I'm seeing things.
1: I think they just might be doing something that's like transformative in the NFL, where I, I did a show with Blender this morning. He described it as like watching, you know, maybe the, the Denver game, the game against Denver, where it looked like a lopsided college football matchup. And the, that... It, that's actually like the perfect call because those lopsided college football matchups happen because one team just has like physical abilities that the other team doesn't have. You know, it might be a powerhouse Division One school gets a you know a school is not investing as much in their football program. And but the Dolphins have like created those physical mismatches in the NFL with their speed. Um, they one of the fastest teams I've seen in live NFL action. And speaking of live NFL action. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster has got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a Breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com. NFL. But yeah, so I think the the Dolphins actually remind me a little bit of the Golden State Warriors when they in, in basketball, when they just started shooting three pointers, and people thought, well, this isn't sustainable, you know, and guys averaging 10 yards per rush isn't sustainable. But like actually with the speed, I don't know. And, and so I, my thought process is maybe I want to be overweight in Miami the rest of the season until they prove otherwise, right? And if they start, and maybe against some matchups, maybe against the Jets defense, I'm not going to want to necessarily be like so far over the field on them. But uh, maybe I want to aim to be, as a general game plan, be overweight them the rest of the season until I'm proven wrong.
2: No, I like, and I like that thought process. I remember that the 20, was it the 2017 Astros that turned out they were cheating, but I was saying all that year, it was like, you could literally just play the stack the Astros every day and you would make money because if it was a bad pitcher, sure, everybody was on them, but you would be overweight and, and they would have those 10-run games. And if it was a good pitcher, they'd get them out by the fifth or sixth inning. They would have only scored two runs and all of a sudden, they're they're putting up another eight runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Uh, they would hit doubles. They would steal. And, and like, yeah, you find those offenses, those teams that it's like, well, you can just always bet on this and it's never wrong. And I definitely agree with you that the Dolphins are that team and it's a slate where you know well you mentioned how much higher their implied team total is than the other uh spots on the slate but it's yeah it's like a slate where there's nothing else that's like oh this one could go for this team could go for 35 points this team could go for 42 points like the teams that are capable of scoring a bunch of points generally are not in spots that are conducive to a lot of points being scored so um yeah not against that it just isn't kind of where my head had been so yeah i like this conversation for sure
1: yeah, uh, were you – so I, I think the spot that a lot of people are going to is the Rams. I think Matthew Stafford's going to see a ton of ownership. Um, and I'm not like – I, I will probably have as much Matthew Stafford uh, as I have any other quarterback maybe after Tua. Um, I'm not against the play. Like I, I said you know, this morning, I think that, yeah, you can score fancy points by running up and down the field, getting yards and touchdowns. You can also get receptions, uh, and the Rams seem really good at that. And so, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, Puka, you know, Kyron Williams, and, you know, I think you can pair any of that with Matthew Stafford. I do think, though, people are catching on to Arizona. Um, I think Joshua Dobbs was a, a kind of a sneaky play we talked about last week. I think he ended up being the highest owned quarterback in the $4,000 DraftKings uh, Millionaire Maker. Like I had, People are I had watching it. our show. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I, um, I mean, part of it was me. I think I had two teams with him. Um, I didn't play like a ton of entries in that. I had a bunch of tickets. I had one from Satellites. Um, yeah, I played two Joshua Dobbs rosters. Then actually my highest cashing team was a Matthew Stafford roster um, that, of course, had a Jamar Chase runback. Um, so I, I think it actually touches. I think the two popular teams are going to be the Rams and the Bengals, which I'm not against. I don't have like a bunch of negative things to say about them. But to whatever extent it takes away from Miami ownership, that's that's fine with me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, they're in the same category in terms of what those quarterbacks are. They're the same as Tua, right? They're pocket passers. They might pick up one to two points on the ground. They might pick up zero points on the ground. Um, so it's all about how many yards and touchdowns do they get. So if you take away game environment and the, the potential that the Dolphins just blow the doors off of the Panthers, um, is Tua – and take price tags off, like is Tua likelier to put up 300 yards and four touchdowns than these guys? Yeah. Like is he likelier to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns than these guys? I don't know that he necessarily is, but in terms of like how many – if we played out this slate 100 times, how many times would Tua throw for four or five touchdowns compared to these other guys? I think that he would do that more often. So, yeah, I see that argument. Like I think that the likeliest outcome, Stafford and, and Burrow are very sharp plays, uh, but in terms of like what are what are the outlier outcomes – you're not probably getting an outlier outcome where Burrow is throwing for five touchdowns or where Stafford's throwing for five touchdowns, whereas you could get that with Tua for sure.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. There's not a ton of rushing quarterbacks on the slate this week that I, that I can think of. Um, I think, you know, Justin Fields is the guy, but I think there could be some weather in that Minnesota Chicago game. And so I think I'm going to be under the field on that. Um, I think the point total has dropped Beginning of the week, I think some of that might be natural, like and Justin Jefferson not playing in the game. Um, but I think some of it could be weather cons- like concerns as well. Although I guess that doesn't affect his rushing, um, his rushing upside. But yeah, we're, we're not there's not as much opportunity cost, doesn't feel like a quarterback. Um, there's also Jalen Hurts, but he's facing a Jets defense and he's the most expensive quarterback on the slate. So I don't. I think I'll end up over the field on Jalen Hurts. I don't think he will see as much ownership as, like, is currently being projected uh, because of the game total and because of the implied point total on the Eagles is a little bit lower than it usually is. And so I I think I'll play Jalen Hurts, probably at what I'm seeing his projected ownership as right now, and I think I'll be over the field on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Hurts is interesting. I think, again, I, I asked the question – what are his chances of burying me? What are his chances of going for 35? Or whatever what are his chances of if he's on my roster of me burying people who didn't play him? Uh, I think obviously you gotta say pretty low against the Jets defense, but he can still get there. Uh, the guy I haven't heard you mention that I thought we would be in sync on is your boy Desmond Ritter, uh, playing against a Washington defense that's bottom two, bottom three in pass defense DVOA, pretty solid against the run. Uh, we know that they like to run the ball, but Desmond Ritter has. 31 or more pass attempts in four consecutive games including games of 37 and 38 pass attempts we know that he can add some rushing upside has a game with 10 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown has a game with uh 10 10 rushing yards and a touchdown um and you know drake london fundamentally is one of the most underpriced pieces on the slate as are the tight end johnny smith in particular uh, but johnny smith and kyle Pitts. so um, I think that's an interesting spot that and the Josh Dobbs spot are ones where it's like, oh, these guys, like it wouldn't shock me if we come out of the weekend and two threw through for three hundred and two or three hundred and three um, and has about twenty seven points and Hertz has about twenty five to twenty seven points, and one of these cheap guys with some rushing upside ends up putting up twenty five points for way less than salary and opens up a lot on your roster. So um, I like the angle of of hitting on Dobbs hitting on Ritter um, this week as well.
1: So yeah, Desmond did her, Desmond Ritter uh, did me wrong on the uh, Detroit game. I, I'm having a hard time going back. I will say that when we're out of sync on something, I will say it's almost always a FanDuel versus DraftKings bias because um, I think you're you know you're a little bit more on, on DraftKings. I'm a little bit more on FanDuel. Um, I think Ritter is yeah 6,800 on FanDuel, um, and I just don't see that kind of upside. It's it's possible. It's a game a couple of people have brought up. To me, you know, as a game that could go over its total, it's actually my my pick on the the Roto Grinders expert surveys, the game that could go over its total by the most points. But I could also just see like Atlanta doesn't need does isn't going to throw the ball if they don't have to. Uh, so it could be I like playing Bijan Robinson and the Atlanta defense being over the field on that. Um, and I, I'm sure I'll have some Desmond Ritter, especially on DraftKings in you know, like my multi-entry build. Um, it's just tough on FanDuel. And he's going to score better on FanDuel. Uh, But he's also just relatively more expensive on FanDuel. Whereas that that, like 5,000 price tag on DraftKings, when he hits and if he's getting like rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, and he's connecting with Drake London and Drake London's always way too cheap. But like Drake London can also see zero targets and zero receptions because the Falcons are just going to run the ball unless you force them to do otherwise. And I don't know that Washington can force them to do otherwise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at it like I think that it's easy to perceive Washington versus Atlanta the way we would have perceived it last year. But Washington is one of by far one of the most aggressive offenses in football this year under Eric Bieniemy. And uh, three out of five games for Washington have combined for 60 plus points. Four out of five games, they've allowed 30 plus points to their opponent. Uh, obviously, Atlanta tends to be a shootout suppressor, but they are capable of having these higher scoring games. So Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those spots similar to the Tua spot where I hadn't been on it as much as you because I had been, in my head, arguing the, the downside of it. But you can also make a very clear and sharp case to the upside. And I think that Ritter and this Falcon's passing attack is a similar thing in that it's easy to embrace the downside argument. But then also there's this other side that's like, oh, and most people won't see this other side. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think maybe maybe both of us end up a- expanding our like our exposure on those two spots, you know, like and trading that yeah. off a little bit. Because um, yeah, I mean, I think that both of those are very interesting. And, and on a slate where, on a slate where Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow are, are the ones that on paper stand out the most to people, right? And it's like, well, these guys don't run the ball, and they need to hit the 300 yard bonus and throw three touchdown passes just to hit 27 points. Um, why not look at those running quarterbacks or the guys like Tua who could throw five touchdown passes as kind of like the outlier production that you might be able to get?
1: So I mentioned Cincinnati. Do you think you'll be underweight the field there, overweight the field? Um, I was some, you know, thinking, it's actually something I, I talked over with Blender this morning, but uh, you know, he brought up the idea of playing Geno Smith. And I would actually mentioned that I can see like Joe Burrow or I see Jamar Chase hitting again, absolutely, especially if T Higgins sits. Um, but then that means you need you need Jamar Chase. It doesn't necessarily mean you need Joe Burrow. He's like, yeah, I don't see why people wouldn't play Geno Smith. Um, that is an interesting way of stacking that game of maybe playing Geno Smith because if he's hitting with his wide receivers and you add Jamar Chase to that, or you could even add Joe Mixon, uh, you know, then that's an interesting way of playing that game that's getting much less ownership. And I was thinking, you know, that, that I'm going to end up over the field, I think, on Geno Smith more than I would have just to kind of cover some of that Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase ownership that I don't necessarily want to buy into with Joe Burrow.
2: Yeah, so where am I going to be on Cincinnati ownership? I haven't looked at ownership projections this week, and I haven't hit a point in my process where I've needed to, but I understand that those guys will be popular. I would imagine I'll be underweight Jamar Chase if he's like 30%, because it does look like T. Higgins is going to play, um, and I, yet I think that we'll still see heavy Jamar Chase ownership, but I'll also have plenty of Jamar Chase. I will, I mean, I could have zero Joe Mixon. Um, and that's been, I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon's looked so bad. I'll, I'll, people are like, oh, the usage, the usage, the usage. Well, that was the same thing we were saying all year last year. And there was like, what, one game where he went above 20 points and sure it went for 55, but you know, that Seattle's number two in the NFL and run defense DVOA. So, um, this is not me telling you, the viewer, don't play Joe Mixon. I'm just saying what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, no, I don't like, because I, you know me, like I look at what I'm seeing first before I look at what's being said on the outside. So if a player is just not in my pool from my research and I and I tend to like put my research up against anyone, right? So I'm like, if a player is not in my pool based on my research and then they're high owned, I, I look at that as over time, like that's the Joshua Kelly against the Titans type setup, right? Where it's like, there's going to be every once in a while where, this player goes off and I lose that week because of it. But way more often than not, that player is a less good play than the ownership says. And so I, I make money over time. So, uh, yeah, Mixon just hasn't been in my pool. And the fact that he's going to be popular doesn't change. I mean, you know, Maybe he ends up on 4% of my large field play to account for the fact that he's so popular. But, like, uh, yeah, he's not a guy I'm, I'm after. And then I like the, the Geno side. And that's kind of in, on my end. It's like Burrow is the quarterback on paper, but I'll have some trailing Geno rosters that are basically saying like in this game environment, if it's all about where the touchdowns come from, right? Look at we, nobody really looked at Jared Goff last week because it's so hard to pass against the Panthers. So easy to run against the Panthers. The lions like to run the ball. Uh, Goff only had what 240 passing yards, but he gets four touchdowns. I think it was three through the air, one on the ground. All of a sudden, like he puts up one of the top GPP scores. So all it takes is like Burrow, not accounting for as many touchdowns as Geno Smith. And all of a sudden Geno is the better play there. So um, yeah, I would, I would imagine I'll be, you know, I'll have somewhat heavy borough ownership, maybe even the field, maybe a little bit above depending on what the field does. Uh, but I'll have probably significantly more than the field has of Geno, just because if I'm betting on a game environment, I'm going to loop that bet in all the way around.
1: Um, so one of the stories this week that's kind of shaping up, especially starting today is value at their running back position. Uh, and that's actually something that I've I've kind of written into my my Dolphins content is that I know they're expensive, but I think we're going to see some value, you know, popping up throughout the week. We're seeing that with Miles Sanders now, not expected to play. Uh, you know, we know that James Conner is out. I think the question is which of the Arizona running backs is going to see more opportunity. And then it's very likely that uh, Chicago is down to like their third string running back, Dante Foreman, if both uh, Roshan, well, I think Cleo Herbert's definitely out from where Sean Johnson is in the concussion protocol and seems unlikely to play. Uh, any thoughts on the value running backs?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm there's two sides. I'm not against it. We I'll say it like this. The 6K, well, actually, the 6K running backs are a little bit better than the 6K wide receivers, but the 6K running backs are. Like less strong ways to spend salary than like the 5K wide receivers. You know what I mean? Like just the way that running back is used in the NFL these days. And when if there were like 8K running backs in this slate, it's better to pay for the 8K wide receivers than the 8K running backs. So, from a standpoint of saving salary at running back to spend it at wide receiver, that's sharp. At the same time, we've seen cheaper wide receivers put up 20, 25, 30 point games. Um, Chuba Hubbard's been in the lead role plenty of times before his best career DraftKings game. I think it's 21.4 points. Um, You know, realistically he's probably getting 13 to 16 points, which at his salary, that's great. And that opens up salary elsewhere. But if that takes away a roster spot that could get 30 points, right? So like I might gravitate more toward Deandre Swift, Raheem Mostert, Alvin Kamara, Bijan Robinson, like these guys who could get you 20, 25, 30, and then maybe, your Josh Downs and Drake London and, and Adam Thielen and DJ Moore, like these guys who aren't the super expensive wide receivers, maybe you can get 20 to 30 points from some of these guys. And it actually ends up being a better roster construction as a whole. So I'm not boxing my, I'm not like just jumping on these cheap running backs because they save salary. Because also if if they put up a 12 to 14 point game, that is still taking away uh, an upside spot. But uh, yeah, Chuba Hubbard is the one who stands out the most uh Deontay Foreman you you got to rely on obviously touchdowns and yardage so that's a harder sell but he's fine and then if Keontae Ingram is out I like Amari DiMarcado quite a bit because he'll step into that James Conner role if Keontae In- Ingram plays then you're like it's a backfield that's typically going to score 20 points or or less split between two guys you don't really know how the split's going to work out so that one's not as appealing to me if Keontae Ingram is is active you got any um any thoughts on those spots that kind of are different from mine?
1: I'm um, probably a little bit higher on Chuba because he's he's pretty cheap. I mean, he's I think 4,300 on on DraftKings, and I, I think below 6,000 on FanDuel. Um, and if he's getting like most of the work, like that's a pretty good price for a running back that I feel pretty confident is going to get a lot of the work. Uh, Arizona, I'd like to be higher on the guys, uh, but there's two of them, <laughs> so yeah. and we don't know where it's going to go, and I. It's a situation where historically I feel like they have given more of the work to one running back, but we just don't know which one it's gonna be. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if it's one of those situations where the coach is talking up one guy, he sees the first series, the second guy sees the second series, does well, and it's just him the rest of the game. And the starter that everybody's on is the guy that you know puts up three points and then the backup puts up, you know, 20. It's like, oh, we should have we should have known. Um, So that's a a situation I'm likely to stay away from unless it really does come down to one running back, in which case I I might have some interest there. Uh, And then I could end up seeing myself playing like a double running back value build because there's actually not a lot of value at wide receiver this week. Um, It's basically Robert Woods, who I'm probably going to be playing a lot of because he's like 3,800 on DraftKings and it looks like Tank Dell is out. Um, And after that, there's not a whole lot of value at wide receiver.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Josh Downs is a really sharp play. He's averaging 9.7 pre-touchdown DraftKings points per game, which means that he should be priced in about the 5K range. Gardner Minshew is going to be able to get him the ball. Um, so he's a sharp play. I think sharper than than Robert Woods. Nothing against Robert Woods. Curtis Samuel also, based on what he's done so far this season in the Eric Bieniemy offense, uh, he actually should be priced in the low 5K range, and he's still priced at 3,700. Rashid Shahid can always – hit for a big game. So there are some other guys who are interesting. Jonathan Mingo has been on the field um, basically every snap when he's been healthy he Has games of five, six, seven and eight targets uh, only averaging 6.1 pre touchdown DraftKings points per game. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So he's a little bit more thin, but, um, but yeah, I do think that there are some value pieces and, and with Robert Woods, he's still the number three in a bad matchup because the season started. Now Noah Brown is healthy. The season started, with Noah Brown as the number two. And my my bold call in week two was that with Noah Brown hurt, Tank Dell wasn't giving back the starting job. But it's either going to be John Mechie, who they're going to say he's ready, which then he would see more looks than Robert Woods, or it's going to be Noah Brown because he was the starter to start the season. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't mind Robert Woods, but I think that his ownership is going to be inflated above his likeliest output. But, you, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a little bit more Value KJ Osborne 4400, um, you know Drake London 4800. Where you're not getting all the way down to 4300 at Chuba, but there's a little bit more value at wide receiver maybe than um, than the field will give it credit for. And guys who could outscore Chuba, so I don't mind that roster construction approach and maybe getting a couple running backs who could score 25 to 30 at the same time. No, I'm not against Chuba Hubbard. I just think that there's like some interesting angles to play around with in terms of how you put these rosters together. This week I'll have some true, but I like the idea of double pay down because then you're getting really unique and you're able to sort of jam in multiple of these 8K guys. And then, you know, maybe some of the, um, the, the five and 6K guys who are still underpriced for where they really should be.
1: Jonathan Mingo down as a value piece. Sounds like an interesting run back for my high price. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another game I want to touch on uh, that two of the most disappointing teams in the league so far, um, but one of them has a very concentrated offense. One of them might have no offense at all. Um, the Patriots and Raiders. Uh, do you see yourself getting to a lot of uh, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, um, and Mac Jones?
2: And Mac Jones. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've built a couple of Mac Jones rosters that I like, you know, and I have to balance that and be like, well, like Mac Jones isn't going to run. So he needs the 303 or at least the 302, but ideally the 303. Um, but he, you know, he's coming off games against three of the top defenses in the NFL and new Orleans and the jets and the Cowboys uh, and all of those, you know, these early turnovers that just put them in a hole and made them a one-dimensional team. So my drawback with the Patriots, because I would not like, then there's all this swirling stuff about Belichick's going to get fired. Like, you don't think this team has a chance to come out on fire and like actually looking good against the Raiders defense, right? Like, will people be surprised if that happened? The problem is you, not only do you have to be right in the Patriots having a good game, then you have to be right about it coming through the air instead of on the ground. And then even if you get both of those right, you have to guess like a team that spreads the ball around. You have to guess the guy who will actually get the usage. So it's like you could get the bet right that the Patriots surprise people, and then that's still – leaves your roster in the dust because of how many other things have to fall into place. So there's a lot of guesswork on, on that play, but I do like that game. I think that, um, you know, just Jacobs from a usage and talent standpoint, I don't like taking offensive pieces against the Patriots, especially running backs, but from a usage and talent standpoint, he's interesting. Jacoby Myers is interesting. Devontae Adams is interesting. Uh, the Patriot side of the ball is interesting. So yeah, I don't think I'll be super high on it, but it's, um, like, I don't think it'll creep onto my single entry three max builds, but it is something that I keep kind of playing around with.
1: Uh, so just one last game I wanted to touch on. I think it's interesting. I think it's the second highest scoring team in terms of points per game. I have not seen a bit of content on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and obviously, you know, there are 10 point favorites. The problem is it's a very low game total. They're playing a Cleveland team that will probably be starting PJ Walker. Um, and the, the issue is that we would gravitate towards the running back in Christian McCaffrey, um, and he's incredibly expensive. Do you see yourself getting to any San Francisco players, or is it simply a matter of they're not going to score enough points to justify the price tag?
2: I mean, I think they could score enough points to justify the price tag because it's like short fields, and all of a sudden they're, they've got 30 points, but then it's like, do they add the yards and the receptions, you know, in PPR scoring, do they pass enough? For the yards and receptions to be added to the touchdowns for it to really be worth chasing there against a defense that ranks first in pass defense DVOA, third in run defense DVOA. Uh, I am not crossing the 49ers off my list. And that includes in single entry three max play. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't found a way to like gravitate toward them on rosters, but it's also like, well, here's a team that could score 35 points. And people just won't be on them. So I think that's a very interesting spot.
1: Uh, that'll just about wrap it up. Any final thoughts for the week?
2: No, we didn't get to our um, hot takes. So, Oh, hot takes.
1: Hot takes. Uh,
2: I got one. I just came up with it, you know, as we were starting the show. But I'm going to say that um, that eventually people will be paying 6700 for Adam Thielen and they'll be happy to do it. So that's my... Uh, it's 5,900, right? People are. It's, it's hard to when the prices are going up, and he's a 32-year-old guy who looked pretty dusty last year. But uh, yeah, I think that he'll. I think his price tag still has room to go up.
1: It's, it. it's another Dolphins run back. There you go. Uh, <laughs> my my hot take. It's my hot takes are getting colder and colder as the as the season goes along. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just say I think the Dolphins put up 35 points, five touchdowns, and lower their season scoring average from like 36.2 down to down to 36 even.
2: I like it. I like it.
1: All right, that'll do it for week six of Soloship. Good luck to everybody, and we'll see you next week.